Best Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, is your go-to health podcast. We connect you with the very best of Bermuda's health and wellness experts, enthusiasts and influencers, helping you get the very best from your mind and body. So go and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Royal Gazette and join the conversation every month. It starts right here. Hello and welcome to Sleep Matters, the seventh episode in the 2022 series of the Best Health Podcast. I'm Becky Ezekiel and before we jump in, I want to say a huge thank you to our sponsors for making this episode possible. This episode has been sponsored by Lindos. Why go anyplace else? Today, I'm very fortunate to have a sleep expert and female boss in the sound lounge. Dorothy Bradshaw is a sleep specialist and founder of the 41st Wink a local business providing one-on-one sleep support, corporate wellness wellness initiatives, and workshops to promote sleep health for adults, infants, and children. Always up to date with the latest in sleep science, as well as collaborating with a team of other health and wellness professionals, the 41st Wink is on hand and passionate about helping their clients get the sleep they need. We're very lucky she's made time for us today. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Oh, it's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. So why why sleep, first of all? What was the interest of you to get to get involved in helping people with their sleep? Um, it all arose from uh, my own personal experiences. Um, years ago when, it's been, yeah, years, like over a decade ago, um, I just happened to be diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And it turned out that... Um, for me, sleep is one of the main components of my treatment. Besides the therapy or really any, any other modalities, sleep was the key uh, to ensure that is taken care of. And kind of that's where it all started, just from kind of personal um, reading up about this and getting to go back to school, my books and my training from back in the day. Sleep was part of my my um, degree in public health, but kind of, I guess, you know, I just studied, passed, yeah. and that's it. Just kind of forgot about it. And, there's, and then during that personal experience with, with my health, it turned out, oh, I do need to kind of uh, refresh my notes. And that's where it kind of all started. That's interesting. What was your sleep like when you were suffering with anxiety? And depression? It, it was actually, uh, I was sleeping enormous amounts of sleep, mm-hmm. uh, uh, taking uh, loads of naps. Right. And I would just sleep and sleep and sleep, but I was still extremely tired and fatigued. Then it turned out that uh, that nighttime sleep was just not consolidated. That means that I was keep waking up without really even knowing about it. I've developed some kind of stress-related um, tension in my muscles, like on my upper back and my jaw, and that was causing me grind my teeth, mm-hmm. and that was waking me up. Wow. And so on and so forth. So it was kind of like a snowball effect. A cycle, right. Yeah. So... Sleep is one of the four pillars of health that people talk about. Do you think it's one that's often overlooked? Yes, I think so. And, you know, I, that's the common conception that sleep is one of the four pillars of health. But actually, the past um, research and more and more specialists in different disciplines of medicine 
talk that sleep is actually not one of the pillars, is the foundation laying mm. underneath those pillars. The reason for that is that, you know, we're spending at least one third of our lives asleep. That would mean that biologically, it must have some very, very important function. And if you kind of um, dive in a little bit into science, how sleep affects our mental health, physical health, how we, our patterns, how we eat, what mm-hmm. we crave, uh, our um, ability to rejuvenate physically and mentally. If sleep is not up to par, all of those areas are impacted, mm-hmm. typically negatively impacted. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're saying that sleep is the foundation and then all of the above, the nutrition, hydration, mental health, physical health, and so on and so forth, that will be affected. And there, there is strong bi-directional relationship between mm-hmm. all of these um, parts of our lives and our bodies. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think I said to you before, every month that we've done this podcast has been a different topic, but sleep has always come up mm-hmm. as, a, as a byproduct of whatever we're talking about, whether it's nutrition, I don't know about anyone else, but if I haven't slept, I'm craving sugars and bad food. And I can tell when I'm not sleeping well, when I'm stressed, it all links back Mm -hmm. to sleep. So when we're thinking about good sleep, what are we thinking about? Are we talking quality? Are we talking quantity? Um, Are we talking about regular sleep? What's the optimum? Few things. For good sleep, um, in order to achieve a good good sleep, there are a few elements that uh, take part into this. Yes, it is continuity. Uh, meaning consolidation. That means being able to effectively connect sleep cycles or getting up, let's say, very briefly to maybe go to the bathroom and immediately coming back to sleep after returning to your bed. Mm-hmm. Second part is uh, duration. That means the optimal amount of hours that your sleep lasts. And for adults, it's typically, and it is recommended by international sleep medicine bodies, by World Health Organization, and so on and so forth, anywhere between seven to nine hours to have an optimal health. Mm-hmm. Another uh, element is regularity, mm-hmm. meaning that we try to go to sleep and get up roughly around the same time, regardless of what you're doing, uh, regardless of what time of uh, the year or week it is, meaning weekends and vacations, mm-hmm. holidays included. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that. That's pretty much what what would that that would be the main elements. But again, I'm going to come back as to what I said, and you said that there are other elements in our lives and functioning. How how we how does our lifestyle looks like will have an impact on that sleep. Lifestyle, environment, stressors, that nutrition, working out, yes. physical, well, working out, physical activity, mm-hmm. I should say, because for different people, physical activity is a means something different sure. and also they may be capable of doing different things. Timing of those activities, timing of your nutrition, underlying medical conditions. Some condi- medical conditions can negatively impact sleep. On top of that, some of the medications that we are prescribed to take to treat those medications can negatively affect sleep. Timing of taking those medications. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry. Really detailed. <laughs> this can be very detailed. No, no, but it's yes. Interesting. Yes. There's so much to think about. If you're just trying to improve your sleep, there are so many factors you need to consider. Absolutely. Wow. So if you think about this, sleep, although we all do it, mm. we all do it from birth until we die. Mm-hmm. It's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I think that if you have sleep challenges or you suspect having sleep challenges, it's worth having the discussion with, with an expert or specialist within the, in the field so they can treat you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Your sleep is yours, mm-hmm. just like your nutrition is yours, and so on and so forth. So. Sure. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and how many people would you say are getting that optimum amount of sleep? Because <laughs> it's something that we don't often talk about, how many of us are having sleep issues. But you must see quite a cross-section of people. I most of the time hear from people that they don't sleep well. Right. And the statistics say that um, I believe that the very last report that was brought and prepared by um, international sleep medicine bodies and every month, sorry, every month, every March, there is an international sleep awareness month mm-hmm. on annually. And the report that's been just released between March and April say now, it, up until this year, it was about 30 to 40% of our population is sleep deprived. But right now they're saying that it's like four, solid 40, 42% of our population that say that they struggle with sleep and we experience sleep challenges at some point of our life. But that's among those that responded to those surveys. So we would assume that those are adults. Mm -hmm. We also have to take into account teenagers. Mm -hmm. And we do know that at least 40 to 50% teenagers don't get sufficient sleep and that impacts their development and their... um, ability to perform at mm-hmm. school as well as we have younger children newborns starting as early as newborns so would you say that for teenagers who aren't getting that optimal sleep that's because going to bed late and waking up late the quality of sleep you're getting there isn't the same as if you're going to bed early and waking up early or is the quality of the sleep the same as long as you're getting between seven to nine hours that's a tr- tricky thing for teenagers mm-hmm. Their um, sleep biologically shifts to later time. Right. Something that's called a delayed sleep phase. Biologically, they their um, hormonal levels change slightly, mm-hmm. and that affects how their sleep and we call it sleep and wake cycles look like. So, they will be typically more active later in the day. Or start waking up later in the day. Be, literally be ready mm-hmm. to wake up later in the day. And they typically they will experience peak of their like mental activity, focus and acuity late in the afternoon and very often in the evening. That's why so many parents of teenagers <laughs> do complain kind of or yeah. mention that, oh my gosh, you should, you know, like wake up. Why are you so yeah. lazy? Why are you still <laughs> sleeping in? Or why are you still awake till late mm-hmm. at night? That's not them being lazy or messing around Mm -hmm. they literally biologically are not capable of doing it however Mm -hmm. they can be supported through different types of activities Mm -hmm. um, in order to help them shift it a little bit earlier to accommodate those horrible school um, schedules where just 
require them to be up early yeah. and that unfortunately affects their performance. Do you know that I think eight to eight out of ten students typically fall asleep or are prone to falling asleep during their first two hours of classes between like eight and ten o'clock in the morning, especially in the United States because their school schedules are quite early. Wow, I did not know that. There are a few schools in the States and in Europe that actually did longitudinal research and as a result, they shifted their school mm-hmm. start times to later time, to like no earlier than 8.30, mm-hmm. but typically 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And they've uh, noticed skyrocketing positive results on the, the um, just general tests. Wow. Their knowledge was way better. They were testing better. Their um, suicide levels went down. And in general, anxiety, depression, uh, mental health in general was much better perceived Mm -hmm. by specialists among that age group. So that was just by shifting? Just by shifting. By a couple of hours? That's it. Yes. That's that's quite amazing, actually. It is quite amazing. Wow. Yes. So so we're seeing more and more um, activities among like school, schools in general and Mm -hmm. education um, industry to... start recognizing that this is something worth looking at and adapting for teenagers Mm -hmm. until they are ready to potentially shift that their circadian rhythm and that wakeful and sleepiness times to back again to earlier time because that's what happens when we're like in early 20s i I was gonna ask when does that come back yes that's when it comes back yes yeah typically that is so interesting i had Mm -hmm. no idea that that was down to anything other than just teenagers being stimulated by video games and going out. It is a co- it, you're not wrong. It is a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. it is, and it makes it much more difficult for them to go to sleep at more reasonable time. Sure, but nevertheless, biologically, there is a shift, significant wow. shift. Yeah, it's really interesting. I just want to go back to the sleep study that you mentioned, and you said that it was, I think, between thirty and. of people complaining that they had problems sleeping. Mm -hmm. And in the last year, it's 40... 40, 42. 40, 42. Mm -hmm. Is that down to COVID? Could we assume that that shift is down to COVID? Not exactly. The results state that it is COVID, partially that contributes to this, because people just, I guess, same in Bermuda, there were were much higher stress levels in general by the... Mm -hmm. Um, uncertainty of what will happen, what is happening, how is this going to affect us in grant scheme, people losing jobs, mm-hmm. but actually also the fact that they did go, we did go to work from home and because of the amount of um, tasks and duties that a lot of us had to undertake while working from home, which is caring for children and so on and so forth, and then trying to go back to work late at night, that backfired. And now that you're working in Bermuda and a lot of the clients you're seeing are are based on the island, let's talk about Bermuda and sleep, the impact that our lifestyle here has on our sleep. It is a thing among some industries to kind of go out and unwind mm-hmm. um, as a group and having alcohol or late dinners. It's not. It doesn't even have to be necessarily alcohol, but also late dinners and that does food and coming back home and wi- trying to wind down will affect the sleep. 
continuing to be affected by bright lights, whether it's in a restaurant or a club or still doing something in your household at the end of the day, will definitely have uh, that impact on sleep. Um, yes, the busy seasons in, in like re, um, insurance or reinsurance uh, mm-hmm. industries, definitely those individuals work very long hours um, and that affects their stress levels, sleep and so on and so forth. Um, international travel or those businesses that work in different time zones. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What advice do you give to people who travel a lot work in terms of regulating their sleep patterns? Mm. Um, It depends where they travel because Mm -hmm. dealing with a jet lag, preparing for jet lag and treating from jet lag uh, depends on which which way are you going, Mm -hmm. westward or um, the other way around? Because we tend to struggle with one direction more than the other and come back. So typically going to... um, the UK, for example, will be a little bit more challenging, but coming back to Bermuda will be a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So typically in this case, it is a lot of work with sunlight. Interesting, okay. The reason for that is that the very first and biggest um, element that informs and affects um, our circadian rhythm is light, Mm -hmm. specifically sunlight. Or any light, really, that we are that our eyes um, are um, exposed to, and pushing and moving that exposure to sunlight can affect how, when your body is going to wake up, mm-hmm. how and when your brain is going to wake up, uh, and then following that, there are certain types of activities, which is physical activity or nutrition. So those typically those three elements, but very first one is the um, light mm-hmm. can help with shifting sleep and wake cycles in order to adapt for preparing to jet lag and then. So how would that work practically? What would okay. you what would you do? Okay. How, how do you practice that? All right. So typically, if we're l- working towards, let's say, traveling to the UK, yeah. so the time is later already. Oh, sorry, just sorry. the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's already later in the day. Mm-hmm. If you were to arrive there on that um, six o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in yes. the morning yeah. plane mm-hmm. in Bermuda, is middle of the night. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to do is. As soon as you arrive at your destination, you try to aim to follow the local time. So that means that if you've arrived there at 7 o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning in the UK on that BA flight, yep. you try to immediately get the um, sunlight literally in your eyes. And we okay. call it unfiltered. Unfiltered means you are bound to go outside, no sunglasses. This is not sunlight through a window. Mm-hmm. Window will block some of that precious sunlight and those particles that do inform your circadian rhythm and uh, those parts in the brain in order to wake up. Mm-hmm. So that's to alert your body. Then if you're able, go on to that meal routine, the same mm-hmm. schedule at your destination, and then in the evening, you will be probably passing out. Yes. If you can, do whatever you can not to go to sleep. And that's where uh, incorporating some physical activity, but not too late in the evening, mm-hmm. somewhere in the afternoon, will help to keep you still alert and pre- prevent you from going to sleep. Mm-hmm. But then we're trying to do whatever we can in order for you to go at a reasonable time to bed. Mm-hmm. And here, 
my first and the biggest um, advice would be avoid bright lights in the evening so you're not going out for any business dinners yeah. <laughs> if you can <laughs> and no easy. alcohol no alcohol okay. if you can the first couple of days you try mm-hmm. to modulate that way so you're just yeah. trying to uh, immediately adjust to UK time in this example. Ideally, but Ideally. Um, typically I have some protocols for my clients that we before they even arrive in mm-hmm. the UK, there are two to three days before that that we're starting to shift their circadian oh, rhythm yeah. to that um, uh, local time. Interesting. So we're shifting activities, physical activities, nutrition, mm-hmm. and sleep, and that light exposure. And oh. then if you want, when you're coming back, you want to do the same the other way around in order to prepare and land here. And if you have to go back to uh, work almost immediately, then that is going to help you. Interesting. It is always much easier coming back, isn't Mm -hmm. it, than going there. I mean, I've I've clearly been doing it wrong the whole time. As soon as I land in the UK, I nap. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it's a little bit easier to to kind of go to sleep instead mm-hmm. of kind of stay sorry it's the other way around it is easier to uh, stay makes awake than sleep. really force yourself to sleep yes yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense yeah okay great so we've got a few kind of myths that we were hoping to put to you you could tell us if they're true or not or sleep okay. related um so number one is your body gets used to having less sleep <sighs> yes and no mm-hmm. yes because our body is very smart and tries to adapt to conditions that is being put in. Mm -hmm. So like if you would think about eating a little bit less than usually, your body is going to over time adapt to it and is is going to crave less of that food, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe start burning fatty tissue instead of your muscle tissue or the other way around. I'm not an expert in nutrition, Mm -hmm. but yes. Uh, And same with the sleep. However, over time, that doesn't come with any cost. Mm -hmm. That applies to nutrition as well as sleep. Mm -hmm. Prolonged sleep deprivation um, wrecks a havoc on on your health and down the line, the mortality rates from um, sleep deprivations are high. What do you make of these um, successful business types who come out and say that they get four hours sleep and that's all they need? Are there people out there who really do long term? Can they live and thrive on such little sleep? No. No. They think that. Got you. And most likely, if you will probably talk to them, just Mm -hmm. yourself, Mm -hmm. and just ask them, what do you do in order to stay awake during the day? Mm. Really, do you do you have moments where you struggle to stay awake? Most likely, they will say yes. Yes. And then, what do you do? Maybe I have coffee. Coffee. (laughs) Maybe I have to go and exercise. Maybe I have to go outside. Whatever Mm -hmm. it is, and then it turns out that they have strategies to deal with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or it turns out. One of my very recent clients mm. who said, I totally am, fu- I can definitely function on four hours of sleep. And then as we're talking, 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 he takes a three hour nap right. <laughs> in the middle of the day. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. that means that you actually cannot. Yeah. In fact, uh, there is a um, gene mm-hmm. a, that applies to pr- less than like half of percent of global population that allows us function optimally on six hours anything below that is but that is not me it's not you that's mm-hmm. very like <laughs> just it's a very, few few, few people on, on on this earth wow. uh but really we are now able to 
measure um, the negative impact, actual negative impact on our bodies if we're sleeping less than six and a half, six hours. That's almost like like a boundary. We mm-hmm. know that under six hours, long term, you're literally shortening your lifespan. We do know that. And there is a number of, 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 of medical conditions that arise from just sleeping poorly, not necessarily anything else, or, they, or the poor sleep contributes strongly to it. Preeclampsia, pregnant yeah, women, yes. uh, diabetes, mm-hmm. um, cardiovascular diseases, right. well, disease, uh, even including stroke, mm-hmm. heart attack, cancer. Yes. Do you know that in women, breast cancer as well as in men, prostate cancer, the um, very strong and big elements that do contribute to getting these conditions mm-hmm. is poor sleep. I do want to actually highlight this because we will be, it, I know it's still early, but we will be having a time change in, in fall and we will be gaining one hour of sleep. Technically, over time, we actually are going to gain that one time and it's going to make a lot of us feel actually way better than we're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if you do know, but when we lose one hour of sleep, um there is about 20 to 24% higher rates of car accidents as well as um, check-ins to hospitals due to potential heart attacks as well as actual heart attacks as well as more suicides. And we're seeing the exact same numbers dropping when we gain that one hour of sleep six months later. All for that one hour. And that's for about three days after that time change. So from Monday through Wednesday, after that time change, we're seeing those skyrocketing numbers after when we uh, lose that hour. And then same situation happens when we gain that hour. All of those numbers drop again. That's unbelievable. What about you're either a morning person or a night owl? Mm. Yes, that is true. Ah, is that a to some thing? extent, okay. absolutely. Um, being a um, morning person or a night owl, and there are a couple of things kind of in between the bears or dolphins and all of the above. Oh, oh there is a lot of different. Of different oh, um, yes. So there are different animals that have been kind of named in terms of your your ability to stay awake at different times of the day. Uh-huh. But down the line, this comes to, um, although we are made to sleep and be active at certain times of the days, we're just noticing certain shifts. And some people are a little bit more active at the earlier time of the day, and they will wake up at the earlier time of the day, let's say five or, si- five or six o'clock in the morning, but then they will require going to bed a little bit earlier in the evening. And then there's, this is that other group of people that will do it a little bit later. However, we do know that even if you are a night owl, that doesn't mean that if it is not exactly true that if somebody says that they're in a night hour and they go to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning and then they will s- uh, wake up at, let's say, 10 in the morning, mm-hmm. it's an extreme. Right. And it's yeah. most likely due to their lifestyle mm-hmm. than the actual biology of it and the makeup of their genes. Okay. Yeah. Got you, got you. So when people say they don't have time to sleep, Ooh. 
<laughs> well, what do you make of that? Is that something that we need to reframe and people just aren't prioritizing it? Or, do, or is, is that something you're saying? I think you're right. Yes, yes. I would say that um, not having time to sleep, it's mean, it means that you don't have time for yourself mm -hmm. or self-care, for your health. Um, yeah, sleep is the integral part of your of your life. So it is a lot of the time working with changing the mindset and prioritizing sleep. I find, I, yeah, that when I look go through my to-do list, very first uh, things are technically, you typically um, do to with some work, duties, chores, and things like that. And then the sleep is kind of somewhere there yeah. at, at the back of my mm -hmm. mind. Uh, I did find my own ways of dealing with that, but it is it is um, quite often among our population that we don't prioritize the sleep. So I think it is definitely the something about changing the mindset and ensuring that, you know what, accepting sleep is something that I need. Mm -hmm. Sleep is something that I and my life and my family can uh, benefit from. Mm -hmm. Therefore, let's look at making something of it. So in these situations, um, well, actually, I can just share what I do for myself. Sure. From 6 p.m., my phone is already on like, the, uh, it, uh, sorry, I forgot how you call this properly, Thank but it changes, that, it changes the, the shade to more orange. Ah, okay. So it's like this blue mm -hmm. light mm -hmm. filter on my cell phone, as well as on my computer and on our TV as well. Mm -hmm. So if in any case we're watching something later in the evening, it's already switching to to that uh, blue light filtering mode. And then from 8.30 p.m., I've got no notifications and I tend not to look at my screens, but that's me because I do get up at 5 a.m. That's when I'm active. Right. And I started, start my day, my, my day early. And so therefore, around 9.30, my body is ready to sleep. So we put some questions out on our social media to the community. We've had a couple of back. We're hoping that you could answer mm -hmm. with your powers of wisdom. Number one. My partner snores loudly each night. Could this be a sign of sleep apnea or another medical condition that they need help for? Great question. It, it is definitely something that I would recommend uh, investigating. Yes, it could be a sign of sleep apnea, but not necessarily. Mm -hmm. And also it can be a sign of sleep apnea of different degree. Mm -hmm. Definitely snoring, and especially if... Um, your partner is not feeling refreshed in the morning or has uh, those dips in his energy and he needs a pick-me-up during the day, I would double-check. It's worth investigating. Yes, is, for sure. Is there ever a case that snoring is just kind of normal for someone and actually nothing is going on, they might go get checked out and it might just be that everything's fine? Or is it always a sign that there's something maybe underlying? As far as I know, most of the time there is something underlying. Mm -hmm. And it may be something as, as little as weaker jaw muscles or a deviated septum or something like that, or just a position how they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, but, but if you don't know even that you're snoring and you don't have a bright partner that is going mm -hmm. to tell you this, mm -hmm. and there are people that just don't have a sleeping partner, they mm -hmm. won't even know mm -hmm. unless they record themselves yes. or think about recording mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. I would, yeah. Worth investigating. Worth checking, yeah. Okay. Um, and the other one we got was, my partner twitches and involuntary jolts in their sleep. 
I do this, so I feel like this question might have come from my partner. Um, what is happening? <laughs> is that something normal? Very interesting. Happy, some happy. people, yes, yeah, some people do that. And again, I would want to chat mm -hmm. deeper with such a person to find out whether this is something stress-related or perhaps there is, there is some limb movement involved in here that is relating to some uh, challenges with, with sleep or it is impacting their the sleep. For example, restless leg syndrome mm -hmm. is something that people will experience uh, during falling asleep. Mm -hmm. They have this very strong urge to move their legs, but there are some people and some conditions that will uh, present themselves with twitching in the middle of the night. Right. So worth checking it. May I ask you, mm. has this been, for you, mm -hmm. has this been recent or always? No, for me, as far as I know, it's always. But like you said, I don't know that I'm doing it. I wake up feeling absolutely fine. <laughs> and then my partner <laughs> tells partner. me, oh my God, you were a nightmare. You were thrashing around and jolting and okay. I have no idea that I'm doing it. Mm. So... Some people experience something that's called night terrors, mm -hmm. typically more prevalent among um, younger uh, people, meaning like children, literally, mm -hmm. until their sleep matures enough. But some adults can also experience that. Mm -hmm. And it will be the word when you the, what, the reason I'm mentioning this because mm -hmm. you use a very specific word here, thrashing. Yes, and this is very, very um strong char characteristic of night for or for night terrors or somebody that could be suffering from night terrors but there is also rigidity mm -hmm. potentially even opening eyes and looking like you're kind of possessed oh, literally <laughs> but that that's that could potentially be it i would want to say take take a look what's happening if you have even one of those sleep apps mm -hmm. see even just for yourself mm -hmm. uh if they measure movements because there are some that can although i don't find that something that's on the phone that's laying next to you is 100 accurate yeah. but it could give you some idea and perhaps guide you into what is happening with this thrashing is are there any breathing pauses involved mm -hmm. do you talk I do you do. make sounds? Yeah. Interesting. All of, the above. All of the above. And the night terrors, do they often, are they often accompanied by nightmares or not? Mm -mm. I just no, think no. of night terrors, I think of nightmares. No, no it's totally different thing. It's nightmares is a different thing. Night mm -hmm. terror is a different thing. Night mm -hmm. terror is a condition or a situation where your brain mm -hmm. has not finished one sleep cycle mm -hmm. and another one has already started and there was no break in between those sleep cycles. Typically, how our sleep is, uh, how it's built is that it connects, uh, it, sorry, it consists of several sleep cycles mm -hmm. and each sleep cycle connects of different phases of sleep. And then between each sleep cycle, there is a brief moment when we awake. We call it um, nocturnal, nocturnal awakening. Mm -hmm. Typically, we would during this time turn around from one side to the other, mm -hmm. or adjust a pillow, mm -hmm. go to the bathroom mm -hmm. and come back and you go right back to sleep. In night terrors, the overlap, there is no break in between. And then literally the brain is almost confused. Mm -hmm. um, and it, that's exactly what happens. There is that rigidity, thrashing, quite often eyes are open. The person looks like they're, um, like 
they are kind of awake and they are, uh, but there is no contact with them. The good news is that if you let this person kind of do their thing, run its course, meaning they're staying in bed, you're just unsure that that person is safe, meaning they may not fall or hit a side table or mm-hmm. something. Uh, they won't even know in the morning that anything yeah. happened. Yeah. It's actually better to... This is very common that I encounter with uh, families when we work with young children. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between like two, three, four-year-olds, they may experience those night terrors quite um, often. Mm-hmm. And then parents are scared because it looks scary. It yes. can look very scary and worrisome. And you don't know whether to wake them up. Yeah, right. and typically they will go and wake them up yeah. because they're like, what is happening yeah, in here? Yeah. And then very typically that baby is just scared because right. like, what just happened? Yes. Because they were technically asleep. Right. They had So in the morning, they have no recollection mm-hmm. of that. Oh Sorry, we veered off topic. No, totally. I mean, thank you, Kira, for submitting that question. It's really helpful for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so follow our social media at the Royal Gazette and RG Mags. Um, we will continue to ask questions about what's going on. Um, but... Those questions both lead me to ask you about something, about the stigma surrounding people who have sleep disorders. Does it feel like people are often embarrassed when they come to you to tell you that they're snoring or that they're disrupting their partner? There seems to be a bit of a taboo around some of these things and you know, people are a bit embarrassed or ashamed. Do you see that? Yes, definitely. Um I feel that among older generations, yes, they they or they will kind of feel that that's normal mm. and there is nothing to share about. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they just mm-hmm. won't really s- say much unless um, somebody opened up a little bit. And then very often that just opens up this this kind of warmth. And it turns out that at this party, when you're talking to like five people, probably three or four of them actually are not sleeping that well mm. however you know i think i am i am very blessed because those persons that come to me they are very very aware that there is something going on and they are suffering mm-hmm. their quality of life is suffering so they come to me they're Yes, they are very aware. Right. Yes. They are it. motivated. Yeah. They know that they there is that uh, they will do kind of whatever it takes. They are prepared mentally to work towards that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And finally, just to talk about tips on helping people regain control of their sleep, things that they can do at home. So we're talking about sleep hygiene type things. What advice could you give to the listeners of things they can do themselves? Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't think I'm going to bring here anything uh, new to the table mm-hmm. because I feel that there is actually quite a lot of resources for general public, uh, but it's probably worth mentioning for the sake of this podcast and somebody who knows something, somebody may find this useful mm-hmm. or maybe forgot. Number one, regularity of that sleep. I did mention this earlier. Regardless whether it's the weekend holiday, try to wake up and go to sleep around the same time. If you can't go to sleep around the same time because maybe you've got a function or your child woke up in the middle of the night, just try to wake up, start your day around the same time. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, uh, try to take care of your sleep environment. So where you go and sleep, your room, make it nice and calm, sleep conducive, um, 
try to avoid any bright lights over there. If you can, I absolutely love removing TVs from bedrooms mm -hmm. um, and definitely ensure that that bedroom is meant for sleep and sex. Mm -hmm. Just those two elements. There is no workstation. Yeah. If there needs to be a workstation, you're not working in the bedroom. Uh, sorry, not on the bed, literally on the bed. We don't want subconsciously creating any connections that bed can be a workplace. Mm -hmm. um, that's not a place to kind of argue. Just try to establish that bedroom is this place for a sanctuary for sleep and, and peace. Um, yes, try to avoid uh, bright lights, as I mentioned. So meaning... That, that laptop or, or checking your phone in the bedroom, if you can, just leave the phone outside of the bedroom. Mm. <sighs> Low temperatures in the bedroom. Different people have different, or women and men, tend to have different thresholds for temperature. However, biologically, we are designed to sleep in lower temperatures mm -hmm. so as low as uh sorry it's like 17 to 19 celsius so that would be 65 67 up to 69 fahrenheit mm -hmm. um and take a nice warm bath or hot shower before going to bed the reason for that is that we're trying to drop the core temperature before going to bed. Mm -hmm. So as close as to that uh, bedtime you are, even if it's hot outside and you're more looking to cool down, still try to have that shower or bath quite warm. Uh, it helps to drop uh, body core body temperature and that helps to initiate sleep. Mm -hmm. There is a biological reason for that. And then th when you step into that cool bedroom, mm -hmm. it further helps to drop that body temperature and helps to fall asleep faster and that translates to the quality of sleep and um, consolidating the sleep. Got you. So some of those are things you do before you even get into bed. Oh, you can totally. help prepare yourself. In fact, whatever you're doing during the day from the moment you wake up can influence your sleep. What you eat, yeah. what you drink, yeah. caffeine, for example. Uh -huh. um, the time when you are physically active. Um, definitely working out, having an intense workout mm -hmm. close before bedtime is not a good idea. Because you will raise that blood pressure, right. you will raise body temperature. You've just activated a lot of, sure. yeah, things within your body. And then although your brain is technically getting ready to go to sleep, the rest of the body, it's just not ready. It can't. Or certain air parts of the brain are not ready to go to sleep because you've just activated, activated <laughs> it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So where can people find help if they are struggling with their sleep? Where would you advise them to look? Come to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put all your details in the show notes. Okay. Come to me. But, um, you know, um, I think one of the first um, uh, or other first points of contact would be probably your GP. Mm -hmm. Talk to your GP. See if you can um, get any support from them. Um, but also, um, if you would want to explore any resources that, for example, the 41st Wing has available, we have, um, number one, a big sleep library on the website number of ebooks that talk about sleep and different situations in your life including medical conditions so cancer pregnancy uh, restless leg syndrome 
during pregnancy, cardiovascular disease, dementia, cognitive health. Wow. Sorry, the, the, the list is, is long and we continue to update it. So there's mm-hmm. quite a lot of them over there. This is to, to help you gain a little bit of more insight of what can be happening or at least just, just learn, mm-hmm. feel empowered and mm-hmm. then take it. Yeah, have a takeaway. And there's a free resource. Free resources, website, absolutely. Right? And there is a second one that um, is under a tab called self-assessment. I've posted there two scientifically um, well prepared and utilized by sleep experts, but not only surveys. Uh, one is for daytime alertness and the other one is for sleepiness. Uh, also free you just uh, have to submit the email so we can send you results. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you gain an insight of where you are on the scale of your daytime alertness as well as daytime, sorry, nighttime quality of sleep. And I think that a lot of questions that are in these two surveys really help you just sit down and think a little bit and reflect. Of, Actually, is that true what I think it is about my sleep or my, my alertness? So... You can even take those results with you to GP. I totally uh, recommend doing that. Mm -hmm. And that could be a great starting point to seeking further help. Now, if you feel like you need um, any further advice, please just give us a call or email us. That We have some links there for to schedule a free discovery call. Mm-hmm. And then at least we can discuss those results with you. Or if not results, just discuss your case and just see what is it. Is it even legitimate for you to seek further any any assistance yeah. and kind of where to where to go from there? And if it's if it's someone that you think might you might not be able to help you you work with other people that you can refer. Absolutely, to, right? yeah. yes. Whether I don't feel that this is my field mm-hmm. at the very beginning, I will just send them out, and I'm able to. If I do know some local specialists, I'm absolutely happy to send them further, including you know the overnight sleep studies or any I don't know, and the chronologists, whoever mm-hmm. it is. There are some people that I work with mm-hmm. and I also seek their advice sure. uh, but also during the course as we work together sometimes things crop up mm-hmm. and it's oh I am not sure about this let's just dive in mm-hmm. and then yeah. yes absolutely okay and we talked a bit about this offline but your services and insurance how mm. how is that coming along so um, we are working towards having our services uh, covered by health insurance. I must say that we are, I guess, a pioneer because this has not been done anywhere in the world. Uh, Holistic uh, sleep services have not been covered yet. And by holistic, we mean we don't work with medication. We work with changing of habits and mindset, creating a different quality of life, but medication-free. Uh, so this is still a new field, mm-hmm. uh, and we are working with one local insurer, and um, we're almost there. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers we might crossed. be able to share some great news, hopefully soon. But it's been a long journey. It's not easy mm-hmm. one, but the goal is to serve and help broader community in, in Bermuda. Great. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. We've got everything Yes. Crossed. Thank you so much for coming in. I could speak to you all afternoon, but I'm going to book in for an assessment or my partner will push me to book for an assessment, I think. Um, But thank you for giving up your time to talk to us. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for taking the time to ask those questions. This was wonderful. And um, I hope everybody going to sleep really well tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Dorothy Bradshaw for giving up her time. And a big thank you again to our lovely sponsors at Lindo's. Why go anyplace else? Please head over to our social media pages and let us know what you thought of today's episode. We are at the Royal Gazette and at RG Mags on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also keep an eye out on our stories where we'll be asking you for your questions for next month's topic on gut health. See you all soon.